Hey, what's going on? This is the convo. I'm Norm along with Mike. It is Sunday, March 12th, 2023. Your Maple Leafs coming off a 7-4 victory over the Oilers at Scotiabank Arena. That was a fun game, Mr. A, especially that second period when the Leafs exploded for four goals. That's the kind of team we like to see, especially when it's bursting at the seams offensively. A lot of pushback last night, too. And Mike, before we went on uh, into this podcast, you you mentioned that um, the final 18 games of the season to you were kind of like a a warm-up season leading into the playoffs. So of the 18 games, one is down and the Leafs are 1-0. Good morning. Good morning, Norm. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I look at the uh, the remaining five weeks of the regular season, and I, I look at you know the where the standings are, and obviously the Leafs want to keep winning, and they want home ice advantage in the first round, but they know who they're playing against. Um, they know it's either you know it's either, the only th- thing up in the air is is, is going to start at Scotiabank Arena or Amelie Arena mm-hmm. uh, on April sixteenth or seventeenth, and other than that, it's like okay, let's experiment with some line combos and let's try some different defensive pairings and see, you know, let's rotate the goaltenders, not overwork them, and let's just see what's going on. And we'll look at each one of those groups and what uh, Sheldon Keith might be doing. But, I mean, last night, and I had pegged this game potentially as, you know, like the best, one of the best games potentially of the year to to be at, and I I was supposed to, uh, I was supposed to cover that game, but uh, something. You may have been right, Mike. Yeah, and it, it, I mean, Connor McDavid is going to win the Hart Trophy. Um, the Edmonton Oilers, as was clearly aware, as clearly uh, apparent uh, last week or first of the month when they played in Edmonton, the Oilers have a bug up their rear end for the Leafs, like most of the other Canadian franchises, and they opened up a can of whoop ass on them uh, in Edmonton, and halfway through the game it looked like the Leafs were sort of like right interested in a slumber and then a phenomenal play by Mitch Marner I think really enthused this team and uh you know I mean I, I you know like you said in the preamble there was some pushback and there was some uh sandpaper that I think contributes to that but it was a, an unbelievable individual effort by Marner to make the game 3-2 and once that happened the floodgates were open and you can see the flaws of the Oilers in terms of their, you know, they have two of the best players in the NHL, but defensively they're still inept. Um, they signed a goaltender for $25 million for five years. And in two games against his former team, they're afraid to put him on the ice. Uh, and he's got a safe percentage that would make Peter Morazic blush. So, um, you know, they're, they're a flawed team, but it was a, it was a very entertaining game. And I think anybody who's a Leaf fan has to have a little bit of hatred for the Oilers just because, you know, the, just because they get the great players so many times and it really does isn't deserving. Benny B, the crowd was engaged last night. Very exciting. Certainly so, Mr. B. And Norm, uh, along with Mike, this is the combo. Like the content, subscribe to the channel. Like the Leafs, the Oilers are flawed. And when you you know break them down position by position and in terms of the composition of the team, 
there still leaves something to be desired, like the Maple Leafs. The difference is the Oilers were able to crack the first round and get into a conference final last year. I don't know if it necessarily says a lot about the trajectory of these teams and where they're headed, because we did see last night um, some some uh, real leafy responses from the Oilers. The good thing is it was the Maple Leafs who were taking it to the oil guys in the uh, second period. And it's interesting, the genius Ken Holland is the one making decisions um, in the Alberta capital. So, you know, you're you're not a golden boy forever and you just have to deal with uh, the big contracts you give out. That was pretty interesting that um, Jack Campbell didn't get the start. Uh, I, obviously, uh, implications there and there may be some uh, psychological issues. And, um, you know, was that the right decision not to start him? I mean, well, I'll you know, say the Leafs I'll, got the win. That's the key. I mean, all I'll say is this: they've started Stuart Skinner in the game against Edmonton, and he played really well. So going right. back to Skinner made a lot of sense. But I, I, I questioned, you know, why Campbell didn't get the start. And you know, Stuart Skinner is the number one. He's going to be the one who's going to play in the playoffs based on the way that they played in the regular season. That's and, a lot of money sitting around. Yeah, I mean, but uh, I mean, right now, like it's interesting that. And we'll have this debate in a second about, you know, which one of the Leaf goaltenders would be the one that starts in the playoffs. And it might be the guy who's making less money in Toronto as well. But I'll just say this about the game overall. Um, Yes, like somebody said on Twitter uh, to me this morning, that 20-minute span of like mid-second period to early third when they scored five goals could be the best 20-minute span of the, of the season. And that might be, that might be right. They were, they were hitting on all eight cylinders. Marner makes that fantastic play individual effort to make it three to two. And then he, he makes the intercepts, the pass stick blocks it and feeds Nylander for the tying goal. And then Matthews and Matthews and Tavares uh, combine on the, on the go ahead goal. And then, you know, it was just, uh, it was just on from there. They, they just were on. do yeah. the Leafs? Do the Leafs? Um, are the Leafs capable of doing that against the team that is a little more responsible in the way it plays? Right, Edmonton is very vulnerable. They score, and then um, you know the the cracks start to show in the armor, and then you're able to respond. And the Leafs were very responsive. But can the Leafs do that to a team like like Boston? I'm not sure about Boston because I don't think anybody can do it against Boston, but they're capable of doing it. They've and done Tampa, it. Tampa, that's another question. Yeah, well, Tampa, too. Um, they're capable in stretches of doing it, and they've done it in the past. I mean, we've looked at what they did in, against Columbus in the playoffs, so what they did against Montreal coming back twice against big for big deficits in game five and game six that they couldn't finish it. And so, you know, it's on. It's an unknown that we won't know until the postseason. But the concerning thing for me um, from that game was, and there's a, a lengthy tendency with this team this year where they score a goal, a key goal, even the opening goal, mm-hmm. and will give up the response goal within a minute, within a few seconds sometimes. And it just shows a, la- a sort of a lack of focus. And, you know, I don't know what has to be drilled into their skulls by Sheldon Keefe, or that's something that he has been drilling and they just don't listen. But it's something that in a playoff scenario where momentum and emotion are really important, you score a big goal at some point in the game and then you give up that, you know, give up the lead or, you know, it's a tying goal and you and you fall behind again. 
those are things that are crushing in a playoff scenario. So they, that's something that has to be eliminated from their game. Can, um, can Sheldon Keith tactically to to mitigate any disaster following a goal put the right crew out on the ice? I don't think it's a, a, a function of the right crew. It seems to happen no matter who is out there. Mm, so I mean, now, okay, last night and. It's funny because I believe for every goal for or against on uh, Tuesday, the pairing of Giordano and Hall were out there. For the first three goals, the opening goal by Achari, and then the two goals by um, uh, the two Edmonton goals in the first period, it was Giordano and Hall. And of course, um, you know, I make my usual point when Justin Hall is responsible for a goal, mm-hmm. that he's responsible for the goal, and everybody How says, much of oh. that was on Giordano? Well, no, it was, okay, on the second goal, we're talking about the Evander King goal uh, midway right. through the first period. It was a two-on-two break. Kane goes wide right around Hall. He has more speed. He beats Hall to the to the edge to go around the net to do the wraparound. And everybody, when I say, ladies and gentlemen, Justin Hall strikes again, they're like, well, Matt Murray's got to get the wraparound. Well, no. How about the defenseman? How about the defenseman who has got a forward barreling in on him? He doesn't force him wide. He loses the speed battle, and then he allows the defenseman to wrap around. There there, There was a picture last night of where Hall was when, Kane was doing the wraparound and Hall was behind the net and Kane was wrapping the puck into the goal. So Fans described Hall as a pylon. And and that's that was an example of him being a pylon, Mike. And well, he's not again, a, yeah. I feel bad for the guy in a lot of ways that he just constantly gets exposed and he doesn't seem to develop even when given this opportunity to develop I mean, his 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 brother or his spiritual advisor or the guy who's connected heart to heart with them sheldon keith you know has to make a decision here are you going to continually put this guy in a position where uh, he's making a fool of himself not helping the team uh or are you going to back him off and shelter his minutes and and make him kind of the the last guy you're going to go to he's it's it seems to be all or nothing with 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 justin hall right now and it's it. I don't know why it continues to be all. They've got guys who can replace them, and you've seen last night. He just he's just not ready for prime time, and prime times are coming, Mister A. Well, he was on the ice for all three New Jersey goals on Tuesday, and he was on the ice for three of the four Edmonton goals. Now, you know, like somebody in the in the chat just said, um, he was plus one. So, he's, but. He, in a play- be standing around and be plus one, Mike. We yeah, know that. in a playoff scenario, you, you you try to eliminate what I refer to as the double-edged sword, the guy mm-hmm. who is a positive at one end but a negative on the other. Um, now, you know, moving into the goaltending thing, and again, there were a lot of people last night that were just like absolutely destroying Matt Murray. Uh, for the goals early in the game. Now, I didn't think the uh, the home goal was particularly strong. Like I said, I think the the wrap the Kane wraparound goal uh, right. was more on Hall than him. You know, McDavid is McDavid. McDavid can make anybody look bad, so I'm not going to you know fault him for that. 
after that, when the you know when the Leafs made their run and they're up five three and six three, um, Murray settled down. Now he is. This is his second game since missing six weeks right. with an ankle injury. Um, I, I think you know again one of the things that's going to be sorted out over the next five weeks is you know who's going to be starting game one in the playoffs. And can uh, I, say, Mike? Neither Samsonov nor Murray are peak carry price. Right, you're going to have to take the highs and the lows with these cats. They're going to get into a groove, and they may give up a couple of shitty goals, which you can pin mostly on them, or at times, uh, fault fault the support system for, for you know not being there to uh, facilitate a save, Mike. So we have to we have to get that in our minds. Neither one of these guys really is a Vesna. I mean, a, a Vesna Trophy winning Con Smythe kind of guy at this stage. So. Unless it's a surprise and we'll take it, but I doubt it. No, and and I, I agree with what you just said, but I th- what and that is the reason why I believe that unlike the last six years, they're not going to go with one goalie. It's right. not going to be it's not going to be game one through game seven, right? Murray or Samsonov. I think you know they could use Murray on the road because he's the more veteran, experienced guy, and use Samsonov at home where he's seventeen two and one. It's very possible that they do that. Now, what they're doing in the remaining 17 games of the season might be in preparation for that because if they continue to rotate them, if they continue to like, okay, so um, Samsonoff played against New Jersey. Murray plays against Edmonton. The next game is against Buffalo on Monday. I would expect Samsonoff to start and then back and forth and back and forth. And this four game homestand, I think they have a day off in between every game. So you're right. you're you're gonna you're giving your goaltenders three or four days off in between starts because you're rotating the goalies. And I think that's that's a smart that's a smart thing to do. This is the combo Norm along with Mike. Thanks so much for all of your support. The podcast edition of this content will be up here in the next little while. You can listen to us on the podcast platform of your choice. Bitch Marner, is something wrong with Matt Murray? Well, yeah. I mean, he's just not in a groove. It's been two games uh, since, you know, the, the lengthy time off, convalescing and, um, you know, overcoming an injury so yeah certainly there is something wrong with the guy he's not at peak at this point the thing about matt murray is i don't know if we'll ever see him at peak over a extended period of time where he's holding everything down because there's another guy on the the ice who who needs to get some ice time and who's just as capable and again mike you you made you made the point um this is going to be a tandem right through to the end and anyone who doesn't think it's going to be um you know tell us why uh, and, you know, if one of these guys, again, catches lightning in a bottle and the head coach feels comfortable just leaving him out there with the other dude to support on the bench, well, he's just going to have to roll the dice on that one. But the way these two guys are playing, where they're coming from, where they are in their careers, what they're capable of and what we've seen so far screams a tandem. And there's nothing wrong with that. A couple more points, Mike, on the goaltending, and then we'll just push along here. I wanted to throw a shout out at Mr. John Tavares too, man. 30 goals again, mm. just quietly going about his business. Yeah. Remarkable consistency. And I think the, you know, the, um, the captain avoided what everybody was fearful of from last Saturday, where he took big, two big hits from uh, Tyler Myers and former Leaf draft pick Dakota Joshua. 
Um, you know, he got rocked. He stayed in the game, and then they sat him out on Tuesday because they were going to have off until last night. Right. Um, and he looked fantastic. So, you know, that I think that assuages the fears of the potential of him having some post-concussion symptoms. So, I mean, that's, you know, the, once they get O'Reilly back, which will probably be around the 1st of April, maybe a little later than that, you know, then they'll have their full complement, you know, knock, knock on wood. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tavares is – I mean, for all the criticism of Tavares, he's slowing down, he's this, he's that, he's making too much money. He's an 9 draft. Yeah, he's – Yeah, he is, you know, I mean, he, you want Toronto area guys who have talent like him to want to come to Toronto and slamming on him for really no good reason, I think – discourages future players from wanting to come to Toronto. So uh, I, I, you know, he's been great this year. I, I think it's sort of been an under underreported story that he's been as good as he is. I mean, a lot of people have been focusing more on Austin Matthews and his struggles. And we'll talk about that in a little bit, but just to finish off the goaltending, I mean, um, again, if they win host at home ice advantage, I, I would think, that they start with Samsonov because of his record at home, um, but if you know, but that's to be determined based on how Murray plays every other game down the stretch. If Murray starts to find it where he like where he was after he came back from the first injury in November, where I remember that game in New Jersey where he was just superhuman. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, then they're going to go with the experience and the guy has won two Stanley Cups. But if they, if there's, if they're sort of like, you know, around the same, then I think that they're going to play the percentages and go with Samson off to start the series. You have to be comfortable to play either. If, if, yeah. if it's, if it's shit, we got to put Murray in to a game just to give Samson off some time or, you know, five goals in the first 10 minutes that Murray's got to come in. You have to be confident in either one of these guys. It's just, I don't know if that confidence can be last for game, game after game after game before something wanes and you have to, um, you know, off spell one with the other. And again, that's okay, Mike. The big push continues on. Uh, we've determined that Justin Hall is not, I mean, it's not ready for prime time despite all of the chances he's had. Um, it's gonna be a, a platoon between the pipes in terms of the forwards, Mike, what I, what I liked about last night, and this was a, a contributor uh, uh, to you know the the success along with that you know big big offensive second period spurned by uh, Mitch Marner, but the pushback. Jake McCabe was having no bullshit. Uh, Michael Bunting six penalty minutes. That guy was going at dudes. Noel Achari was in there. Sam Lafferty was in there. Again, speaking of Achari, two goals last night. Just, sure. I mean, driving to the net, going headfirst into the boards, zero fucks, right? Uh, and then he picks up an empty net or two, which is really, really nice to see when somebody's laying his body on the line, already has a goal. He's more of a support guy, and then he can pick up an empty netter. Hey, he'll take those goals all day. For, so from a forward standpoint, Mike, um, Matthew scoring, Tavares looking good, Ryan O'Reilly, you know, we're expecting him back with a few games to go in the regular season. I really can't say that <laughs> we need too, too much more in terms of personnel from the forwards. We just just need everybody to dial it up and, you know, kerosene, light a match, hair on fire, let's go. I think the that Sheldon Keefe likes the look of, I mean, remember, they played 11 forwards last night, so it was sort of mix and match. Right. 
Um, you know, I don't think that when the playoffs start, Alex Kerfoot will be playing on the top line with Matthews and Marner. Oh. But you no. have to you, you have to say though that um, you know Kerfoot and his defensive ability and his speed and his playmaking ability does contribute to that line in term and uh, you know they they have played well with him on their wing. Uh, he's a good facilitator for all the criticism of everybody that 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 that, that has been there for Alex Kerfoot. I think. You know, he is a good facilitator. He's a good plug in with talent. Mike, but, real quick, just to pause. Can you take us back to the moment or series of moments that made Alex Kerfoot the whipping boy? Uh, One yeah. of the whipping boys on this team. What, what is it about this guy? He just because he doesn't seem to be a dick. He's a decent guy. I mean, nobody's really expecting him to to be a you know a a major point producer. What is it about Alex Kerfoot that has has rubbed everybody the wrong way? The point that he was traded for Nazem Kadri and he signed a four year deal for three and a half million dollars. He's never been popular because of those things. Every time the Leafs run into cap problems, they point to Alex Kerfoot as the so reason. It, so so he he's the guy who takes he's he's the guy who takes the criticism. Really, none of it's his fault. No, no. I think, you know, he, gotcha. he if he was making a million and a half dollars like David Camp, then nobody would be criticizing him but because they'd say he's – but because he got three and a half million dollars, they signed him as a replacement second line or third line center for uh, for Kadri after Kadri had stabbed the, the Leafs in the back twice in, in two pl- consecutive playoffs. Um, <laughs> him, Matt Sundin, Barry Bonds, just it, keep – Corey Cross, Anders Erickson, keep going, blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. No, but, but I mean, but, you know, so did he fulfill the role that he was originally signed for? No, but has he been an effective and a contributing player? Yes. And I, and, you know, people will, people will, uh, uh, <laughs> if he scores a big goal in the playoffs this year that gets the Leafs over against Tampa or against somebody else, um, you know, and then he leaves via free agency i think you know people will maybe have to reconsider the the criticism of alex kerfoot i think he's been an effective player he's a good penalty killer um he's but he's maybe he's not a three and a half million dollar player but he's versatile and i think in a playoff scenario he's going to be very valuable and that's why mitch marner was overpaid and he's still i guess isn't he yeah and and that's why that's why at the deadline kyle dubas got Minnesota to retain 25% on Ryan O'Reilly. This is reported by, I think it was Elliot Friedman for the specific purpose of keeping Alex Kerfoot. So um, that may pay off down the line, but just as an overall with the forwards, I mean, they're going with 11 forwards because, you know, O'Reilly's out right now. And if you, if you went with 12 yesterday, I think it's more about the one, if they want to play more of the defensemen and get them, get them, looks and 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 uh shifts um now um you know i don't think alex steves is going to play in the playoffs i don't think wayne simmons is going to play in the playoffs but obviously ryan o'reilly will and when that happens i think you're going to see probably a third line of lafferty um and uh you know lafferty uh uh yarn croak and o'reilly um now and that because Keith seems to really love, and I think that there's a reason to 
that fourth line that's currently Achari, Aston Reese, and David Camp. There's a lot of playoff experience there. There's a lot of sort of sandpaper and defensive ability. That's a fourth line that you can play 12, 13 minutes in a playoff. Mike, are you hearing yourself? Yeah. You, you sound encouraged by oh. the Leafs for, for uh, support forwards. About three or four weeks ago, you you didn't um, give off that kind of enthusiasm, Mike, and your enthusiasm's always tempered. But well, this is exactly what we wanted to see from this team. More support down there and a, a fourth line that we're excited to watch come over the boards, and this could be it. Yeah, now there will there might be changes. Um, I particularly believe that you're going to probably see bunting return to that top line with Matthews and Marner, that either Yarn Croak or Kerfoot will be on the left wing on the second line with Tavares and Nylander. And then, um, you know, then either, you know, Jan Croak or uh, will be with O'Reilly. And then you keep that fourth line the same. But the fourth line was very effective yesterday um, and can play minutes. And that's, you know, you can't go into a playoff series playing nine forwards and playing a fourth line six minutes with guys like, you know, Kyle Clifford or Wayne Simmons. If you have to put Wayne Simmons and then if they put Wayne Simmons in there and play four minutes, then you're going with eleven forwards, and that's just not going to work. Why? Why are we? So this is the thing, Mike. Why? Why are we bringing Wayne Simmons up with the glut of forwards that this team has right now and how interchangeable they are? Which, you know, we talk about how we like to see the lines, but isn't it, um, you know, isn't it cool? that you can take a guy from the fourth and put him on the first or take a guy from the first, put him on the third, that they are interchangeable. Why are we talking about Wayne Simmons, Mike? We don't, like, I don't think the Leafs need him at this point. The Leafs have enough jam. Nobody's throwing fists, but that's not what we're asking for. We're just play with your hair on fire, play with physicality. Wayne Simmons, I mean, sign him, sign those papers, buddy. I Well, okay, I'll tell you to say this. Wayne Simmons is a popular player. He is a good teammate. Right. Right, and and I, I don't see a problem having him as a 13th forward going down the stretch, and they can do that because Ryan O'Reilly's on LTIR. If they were up against the cap, then Simmons would, wouldn't be, you know, he's never going to play a game for the Marlies, um, but he, you know, his contract was sent to the AHL, so he's going to stay around this team, and he may get a game in here here or there. Like when there's a, when there's a game against a, a tough team, like if they play Boston again, I'm, right. I'm sure Wayne Simmons is going to be in the lineup, and I, I don't think he's going to be in. I don't think he's going to be in the game against Tampa, um, but it's possible. I mean, it's possible. Like this, the playing with eleven, playing with eleven forwards, uh, you're not going to play with eleven. Probably not going to play with eleven seven, and we're going to talk about defense in a second. But if you play Simmons in a series against. Tampa, and it's to sort of counteract what um, Patrick Maroon or Perry or uh, Tanner Janot do in their lineup. That's that's a chess move, but that's playing eleven forwards now is is sort of preparation for you playing with eleven forwards basically when you have Simmons in lineup because you're not you're going to spot him. You're going to play him four or five minutes. That's all he's going to be. And somebody was referencing it wasn't it wasn't uh, Tampa, Florida. It was Tampa, Vegas, and that is what you have to prepare for when it comes to the Lightning. You had one guy. Patrick Maroon, high stick, 
um, Keegan Colasar in the face, and it was on. It was five guys versus five guys. It was line brawl, and Vegas had big guys out there, and Tampa had all the guys that we just mentioned. And what did the referees do? They gave ten game misconducts because you know because it was a it was essentially a line brawl, and that's the game that the depth forwards of the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to try to play. They, they're going to try to they're going to try to sewer you. They're going to try to rub. You know what uh, what um, Evander Kane and Darnell Nurse were doing last night against the Leaf players. You know, pushing them, prodding them. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to goad the Leafs into responses. And the Leafs were fairly disciplined yesterday. You know, except for the rather funny uh, shift between Evander Kane and Michael Bunting. Anybody who's a Leaf fan, if you don't love Michael Bunting, something is wrong with you. Because that's, that's remarkable. Evander Kane's a monster, and Michael yeah. Bunting isn't. But Michael Bunting's got the heart of a lion, and he's ready for war. Sam Lafferty's ready ready for war. Uh, Nola Chari certainly ready to go. You know, um, Jake McCabe is another one of those guys. Ryan O'Reilly will will do what he has to, uh, you know, physically, but just be a, a tactical kind of player out there. I, I just don't know if they if the Leafs get into the trenches with Tampa, the Leafs can win that other than somehow hold their own and then just count, counter with, with the speed and the skill and the ability that they have. So I understand what you're talking about. It's just, you know, to, to, to take up a... Um, you know, a, a spot in the lineup on that night for four or five minutes um, the, from from our, our friend Wayne Simmons, you know, is, is are those minutes not better served um, being played by a guy who can offer a little bit more than just kind of stand out there and say, I'm here. And again, well, I'm Wayne Simmons, Mike. That's Yeah, but but the, see, the, the, and some of the people in the chat are, are probably right. When O'Reilly comes back, who are you sitting? Right. So, so they went with 11 forwards. Now, if you add O'Reilly to the group that you already have, then one of the defensemen is sitting down and, you know, transitioning to the defense. The whole purpose of them going with seven right now is because they have nine defensemen. Um, Luke Shen, uh, somebody in the chat said his wife gave birth. I, I don't know. If, you know, I don't, I didn't hear that, but it's very possible that she was, she was, um, you know, it was very, she was in her nine month, ninth well, month. Congrats to the Shens if that's the case. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, that's where he should be. And the, the Leafs are very understanding about that. So, you know, that once, once she's given birth and uh, then, you know, he comes back to the team, um, he's going to be part of this mix. The only guy who doesn't seem to be part of the mix right now is Connor Timmons, Timmons, and it's not based on anything that Connor Timmons has done anything done wrong. It's like he's a part of this team, and they see him, especially next year, as a right hand, as a guy on the right side. Mm-hmm. They got him on a very economical deal. Um, he's going to be one of the three righties, along with Lilia Grin and probably Brody, who's not a righty, but he plays the right side, which means Justin Hall is gone. Um, but that's what he's there for. And, you know, he – he uh, had a tough time re- recovering from injury at training camp and, you know, came back and has played well in a limited role. But I think they're, you know, Keith has basically said, you know, he's going to play a game here or there, but more than likely he's just going to be like building himself up for, for next <clears throat> year. So right now, so you have eight defensemen and you brought in Eric Gustafson to be sort of that secondary power play quarterback, you know, um, uh, you know, offensive defenseman. He's a mobile guy. 
Uh, defensively, he's he's been questionable throughout his career, um, and that's why I don't think when he gets to the playoffs that Eric Gustafson is going to be in the lineup. Now, if you're going 12-6, and six, I find it hard to believe that you're going to trade for Luke Shen and not play him. So either well, they – that like is that even a scenario? Well, if they go twelve and six, then who are you sitting? Are you sitting Timothy? L- you can't be sitting Timothy Lilligren. He's your. I think he's one of your best, best six defensemen. Now that I know, I, I know I'm I, a one note Charlie when it comes to Justin Hall. But if you're talking about the best six defensemen, he's not one of them. He can't be in the lineup. So. Plays like he plays like he's the ace of the staff, and that's fuck. Like, yeah, he's not Alec, he's not Alec Manoa. He's more like he's more like uh, UC Kikuchi. Mitch White. No, he's more like Kikuchi. You hey, know, like, Kikuchi looks great this spring. But oh, I'm talking about Kikuchi last year with his five ERA. Um, but but yeah, but but that that's what I mean. It's like in in a playoff scenario, especially against a team like Tampa, when you're expecting physicality, you have to have Shen in the lineup. So, I mean, that's why I think if they go with 12-6, which they should because O'Reilly will be back, then you're probably going to have Shen in there instead of Hall. If they don't, then I, that's something that I and – they and, and that's contributing factor to them losing, then that's something that I think will eventually lead to Sheldon Keefe's demise. You can be loyal, but you have to play your best players, especially when your general manager goes out and trades assets – Right. Exactly. Well, they've had, Mike, they've had to have had this conversation. Like, like there's what is Keith and Shanahan watching everybody except number three? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I can see it, and there are a number of people who also can see it, but either they don't seem to see it or they, tr- they tend to, or they choose to ignore it. And I, you know, okay, Shen has got to play some games. These played one. So, but and you could say, well, maybe he's not much of an upgrade over over Hall. I, I, if anything, I think he brings physicality that Hall doesn't. So that's one aspect. And against his a former team and against a bunch of players that he knows, you know, he's going to have to step it up. Now, I'll say I'll say this, uh, and nobody ever is rooting for players to get hurt. Never. <laughs> Here we go. No, but but um, but Tampa over the last week has been dinged uh with two significant injuries um, three four and three three four and three in their past 10 mike and leaf fans who watch our show and hate the fact that we laud this team because of all of the great things that it's done are reminding us that the lightning are three four and three in their past 10 and their time is up Mike. yeah they could be zero and 10 and i wouldn't trust it that's you know whatever but i mean the i think the thing that's a factor here is is not that they're three four they hey they they slumped at times last year they slumped during the series against right. toronto and then they turned around and won um, same same people same people who say hey who gives a shit that the leafs are are, are slumping yeah don't worry they'll turn it on when it counts and again i'm not I'm not trying to cause a division and I, and I, and I'm not, you know, trying to, you know, pry over spilt milk or bring up issues. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, every team has its peaks and valleys. Just be careful, right? When you're running too hot, it, it may not be as good as you think it is. And when you're, you're mired in uh, just, just you spinning your wheels like that, 
you you'll get out of it and anybody who thinks that your your number is about to be up just be, be careful because uh, the reaper is always lurking in that tampa team until you can until the leafs can exercise those demons by eliminating the lightning um you know we still have to give uh tampa the benefit of the doubt a few more comments mike and we'll get out of here but victor hedman was hurt last week and right. he, played, he played last night played 24 minutes but you know, if he's not 100%, if he's dinged a little bit, that will limit his effectiveness. Last night, Stamkos uh, got into got entangled with former Leaf Joey Anderson, got up, and his uh, he, his knee was injured. Um, John Cooper's saying it's not serious, but anything that limits these players, anything that's that, that has them at less than 100% is good news for Toronto because that's – you know, if you're not, if you don't have these guys at 100%, then, you know, it gives you more of an advantage. Uh, obviously, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is not going to be at 100% when he comes back. You know, it may affect, you know, the broken finger, the healed broken finger may affect him doing face-offs, but he's still going to be able to per, to participate. So, I mean, it is, but again, the Lightning and what they do the rest of the regular season, right. just like what the Leafs do, is absolutely freaking meaningless it's when game one when the puck is dropped for game one and who is ready at that point and who plays their best over a seven game series and until the leafs best a team that has won two stanley cups and finished in three stanley cup finals i'm a doubting thomas i'll wait to see what they do glad you're a doubting thomas as opposed to the the other tom um mike uh I agree with you that what happens in this final season, 17 games to go in this lead-up season into the what's typically considered the second season. Um, you know, the perception from from afar, you know, why should Tampa give a shit what Leaf think, fans think about their 3-4-3 three, and three run over the past 10? But within Tampa's culture, within their fan base, you know, there's got to be cause for concern here, right? Like, are, are, is this team... Is it, will, will it be healthy enough? Will it be revved up enough? Will it be poised enough and positioned enough to do what it typically does? And it, from Maple Leafs' perspective, these 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 seventeen games in in your lead up season, Mike, are important because it's it's about experimentation. It's about getting guys healthy. It's about getting guys in the right frame of mind with that determination to go barreling into the playoffs. So what happens between now and game eighty two? is important mike it's very important last word to you well i think one sort of under not underreported, but one uh factor that was not recognized too much last night um was sort of the ownery nature of austin matthews against Connor mcdavid and you know austin matthews is a big kid He's a strong player. Mm -hmm. um, he has devoted himself this year more to the two-way game. Right, and that's great. Shot. And last night, he was physical with Connor McDavid, somebody he's actually friendly with in the offseason. So that is something that against Tampa, against Stamkos, against Braden Point, against Anthony Sorelli, you need that big body of Austin Matthews to impose his will and fight through. And last night, if you see what he did against those against McDavid, I think that's a good sign that you know he shows up uh, when he hasn't in the past in the playoffs.
Well, self-preservation isn't about just smiling when somebody's ripping off your $10,000 gold chain and punching you in the back of the head. That's not self-preservation. It's taking it to your opposition, right? And again, it's not so much, well, now I'm pissed off and here I come with reckless abandon because you're going to you break a knuckle. But just to, like, he's evolved his game. But again, the big guy, the big target, other other players have been able to succeed in that role, being more physical, just to protect themselves and to say, "I'm here, man." I mean, I'm, I've I've evolved. So self-preservation isn't about dancing away from trouble. It's about standing up to trouble. And we saw last night Austin Matthews with eight shots. Okay, two mm. points. The debate over who's better is 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 moot because it doesn't matter. But really, we we all know there's no debate i mean what Connor mcdavid is doing right now he's really one of the best players in the history of hockey like there's it's i'm sorry whether he's wearing an oilers jersey or he's from toronto or you've got some issues with him about his defensive game just what he brings he's just i mean he's a throwback and he's a future player right so forget about it but austin matthews in in his own right is um just a magical uh offensive talent who has uh, evolved his game into something that can be considered uh, responsible and favorable in all three zones of the ice. So he's doing a, a really, really nice job. But again, self-preservation isn't just about avoiding trouble. It's about being able to mitigate trouble and being there to step up to it when the time comes without losing your mind because all you're doing is reacting to something, right? So um, yeah, last night's game was fun to watch. It really was. There were some leafy moments and some things that this team has to look at in the video room. But, man, that fourth period was phenomenal. Um, really charged up by uh, number 16, who, again, continues to just be a complete spark plug for this team. And you even saw in the dying minutes, Mike, Mitch Marner breaking up passes, playing defensive hockey. It's just damn treat to watch. Just looking at the lineup, guys, as we've talked about on paper, on paper, this Leafs team is among the top. 10, maybe top five, some nights top three in the league on paper. But it's about putting, um, you know, all of that, uh, you know, all of those points and all of that promise um, into practice and with purpose. So we shall see over the next 17 games leading up into the second season, the Mike Angelo uh, warm-up campaign as we push into the playoffs. Like the content. Subscribe to the channel. Let your friends know about what we are doing. You can reach out to me in the community portion of the uh, YouTube page, youtube.com slash Leafs Combo. Got any comments, concerns, you can do that. You know where my email is. Uh, hit me up there. And uh, we're both on social media. Mike Morso and uh, Mike doing amazing work at hockeybuzz.com. Mike, before we leave, what, what's your latest column about? I know you were talking about the goalies not too long ago. Is there anything new? Uh, well, today will just be uh, the you know the convo and uh, off the post radio uh, talking more about uh, the Flyers' uh, upheaval, the firing of uh, of Chuck Fletcher in in uh, in Philadelphia. I, I probably will write tomorrow about uh, and I, I wrote earlier in the week about the goaltending situation. Um, Joseph Wall is going to be on the Maple Leafs next year. I'm I'm fairly convinced of that. Uh, he's last night he beats uh, Hartford. The Marlies beat Hartford. He's now 16 and one. Um, he's healthy. He's playing really well. He's played well at the NHL level in a couple games uh, this year. Um, he's under contract for two more years at less than eight hundred thousand um, dollars. 
Um, I, I have a feeling that Matt Murray might be a one and done or Ilya Samsonov might be a one and done. One, one of the situations here, just simply because of money, because the Leafs, you know, I mean, if they want to re-sign Ryan O'Reilly, if they want to re-sign yeah. the guys, they're going to have to save money in other areas. And one of the areas might be goaltending where Murray is scheduled to make like $4.6 million next year. They might buy him out, which won't cost them a lot and uh, go with wall as one of the two goaltenders. So that bears watching. I mean, I will be tracking the Marlies uh, over the next uh, few weeks and going into the Calder cup playoffs. And if Joseph wall has a long run in the Calder cup playoffs, I think you can rest assured he's going to be on the Leafs roster next year. And Hey, with all of the guys who are, are here in the, now you think of the Matthew Nyes, the Connor Timmons, the Joseph walls, there are there are kids not only coming up but making their presence felt right now, indicating of, of things to come. So that's really exciting. Last point, you know, last night watching the the, the Leafs game and and hearing you know some of the analysts talk about problems in other markets, and you just brought up Philadelphia. It it I mean, there are still scars within me from all of the years of the Leafs being one of those shitty teams trying to avoid getting sucked into the toilet bowl right fighting off mediocrity in, in order to gain some kind of respectability it is amazing how far we've come right and the when we complain and and we um you know really dissect a team that some people think uh, is is unfair it's not because we feel like this team is garbage it's not like we don't we feel this team um is nowhere near the promised land it's like we've been at this second stage so long coming out of all of that shit, you know, how can this team, while it has the components, get to where uh, we all want it to get to and do what other teams who have built in a similar way um, have been able to achieve, right? So that's the thing. I'm very, th I'm very thankful. We're not the Canucks. I'm very thankful uh, that this is not the Flyers or Columbus or Chicago or Anaheim or Arizona. So again, gratitude is extremely important. And in this moment, after that win, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. What'll happen against Buffalo and beyond? Um, you know, I'm keeping my uh, my fingers crossed and being quietly optimistic that there's going to be more of the same as we lead into the second season. And this Mike Augello warm-up campaign getting prepped for what is going to be potentially the, the most important uh, playoff um, encounter that the Leafs have have had in uh, decades. So, Mike, have fun uh, with your other podcast. Uh, thanks for all you do on HockeyBuzz.com. And, of course, right here on the Leafs Convo, OG's Converts. We may do a sneak show. We did one uh, a few days ago, and we may do the same in a few days' time. So, for Mike, I'm Norm. Talk to you soon.